Welcome back to the Injury Prone Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Edwin Porras, Doctor of Physical Therapy, Medical Analyst at FantasyPoints.com, Physical Therapist from Minnesota Twins. Gracias por tus oídos. Today's going to be a little bit different, a little more laid back, not as much editing on the podcast because I am tired, y'all. I am tired. I went to a dry needling course. For those of you who don't know what dry needling is, it is the use of needles, very small monofilament needles that physical therapists, chiropractors, ATCs, athletic trainers, a bunch of different medical professionals use in the United States. You basically put it into a symptomatic muscle tissue and we as rehab professionals understand it as giving the brain and tissue some input it relaxes and some of the symptoms go away and then you reinforce that with exercises. I need to take a bunch of those classes before I can dry needle in the great state, the fine state, and I mean the mid state of Florida. I had a three day course getting needled all weekend. I got up this morning around 5 a.m. to get on my flight and get back home. I'm now home. I will not complain, but I will tell you that you're not gonna get a polished edited version of the podcast today because I'm just gonna riff. I am tired, and sometimes that happens. We're in the middle of the season, just wrapped up week eight, or we're going to wrap up week eight here tonight with Monday Night Football. So I figured we'll review the week eight injuries relatively light. Then we'll discuss some guys that are coming back, some guys you should stash maybe. And then, of course, today I'm going to get to some more Q&A this time from the old Twitter machine. So... I said this in the newsletter, right? And make sure you subscribe to the newsletter. It's pinned to the top of my Twitter, the Injury Pro Newsletter. Every Tuesday, goes out every Tuesday, every Friday. It is essentially a crammed, jam-packed, condensed summary of what you need to know from an injury perspective. It is a degenerate's injury guide, injury pocketbook guide. If you're the type that doesn't necessarily want to comb through any of even my Twitter or any other injury analyst's Twitter, if you don't want to read anything, if you don't want to listen to anything, if you just want the highlights, boom, 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 you want to snort injury information right before the football weekend, this is the newsletter for you. It's always in the notes. I'll put it in the show notes. Make sure you subscribe. Tell your friends if you like it, if it's been helpful. We're catching, honing in on about 1,000 subs right now, so we're, we're, we're going to get 1,000 here soon. So make sure you subscribe to the newsletter. But I said in the newsletter, the whole point of me bringing this up, was that I needed to apologize. I needed to apologize for Rashad Bateman. I said Rashad Bateman was a buy low or whatever you want to call it, a discount. I thought that he would be fine. I gave the recommendation to start Rashad Bateman. I started Rashad Bateman in a couple of leagues where I needed to replace Marquise Brown. And it didn't work out. So, of course, Rashad Bateman, uh, at some point in the middle of the Week 8 game, got his foot rolled up on. It actually might have happened before, and he re-aggravated that foot issue. Now, John Harbaugh has come out and said that Bateman's going to be out, quote, a few weeks, and this one's extra, I don't want to call it quite demoralizing because that is a little dramatic, but I will say this one hit different, as the kids say, because I really thought Bateman was going to be fine. And so I want to give you a little bit more context based on what I mean by that. So this is the update that I gave most recently on Bateman. This would actually have been on October 19th. I said, Bateman should be close. 
Extending a previous study on wide receivers and tight ends who missed time due to a foot injury from 2018 to 2021, the overall average amount of time missed is 3.6 games. Fortunately, only 22% of the sample missed five or more games, and only two wide receivers had a recurrence due to these injuries. Additionally, despite a small sample of pass catchers who were fantasy relevant, there doesn't seem to be a big fall off in production the rest of the season. Target Rashad Bateman. That's what I said on October 19th. And the thing about the sample of from 2018 to 2021 of pass catchers who had a foot injury or were listed on an injury report with foot injury is like I said, in the notes there, there's only two wide receivers in that time period who actually had a setback, a non-surgical setback, which is a really small percentage. I didn't think this was going to happen to Rashad Bateman. I think that I thought that he had taken the requisite amount of time to, to heal and recover. And obviously that didn't happen. And so Rashad Bateman re-injured his foot injury. It is a, what probably it sounds like anyway, is a midfoot sprain, which are very common among pass catchers. The research shows that these are really good. These recover really well. There are a couple studies I can cite. If you really want to know, hit me up on Twitter that show midfoot sprains do really well among athletes. And he just didn't take the requisite time to recover. And so at that point, this injury probably should have cost Rashad Bateman what we're seeing with Marquise Brown right now. Uh, from a time perspective, I don't know if it's a fracture like it is from Marquise Brown. Uh, I don't know if, if Rashad Bateman actually has a fracture in his foot or if he had one or if it's only ligaments. I don't know. I can't answer that question. I don't want, I don't claim to know, but it seems like he needed at least another couple of weeks. So I apologize. I think I should also establish, I didn't do a good job of communicating or establishing these recommendations that I give oftentimes do come with this associated risk. And I'm not just playing the result here because I think we have had some pretty good target so target injury targets. I mean, going back to Gabe Davis, uh, Amon Ross St. Brown, I was a little more lukewarm on, but I definitely thought that he would be fine. We gave the recommendation to pick up Chris Godwin, who to this date obviously hasn't had a touchdown, but he's getting the targets. Volume is there. I said, don't give up on Michael Gallup. He had about 10 PPR points yesterday looking good. T Higgins, I said to pick off T Higgins. Uh, he could have had an even bigger week last week. I think he's gonna have a big night tonight. So I'm not always wrong. So I don't want to make it sound like I'm just playing my first wrong result because I've been wrong about a lot of other things. But I do want to establish for the audience that these don't come without risk. And moving forward, I just want to establish that these are generally risky transactions that we're making, but upside wins championships and if you can get guys at an injury discount, that is where you can win your league when the waiver wire dries up in a lot of leagues, especially in sharper leagues when the waiver wire dries up and you need to make some sort of move where injuries can have some influence on other managers of psychology. I think that trading and trade targets from an injury perspective is a way to gain an edge, but they don't come without risk. And we saw that with Rashad Bateman. We played the numbers. I played the numbers that I had. I broke it down as best as I could. And ultimately I was wrong. And so... That's going to happen sometimes, but as long as we're aware, as long as we clarify that on the front end, but I am going to take the L on Rashad Bateman. I hope he heals up. I hope he comes back. Moving on to his teammate though, Mark Andrews, he appeared to suffer an AC sprain. It looks like he was tackled and landed a little bit more on his side. That's not always AC joint, but it's generally either that or a labrum issue like we saw with Jalen Waddle, but it didn't quite seem that way based on the positioning, based on the video. It really seems like it's an AC joint issue. And John Harbaugh came out and said it's, quote, not a major deal. So 
you know, we'll take Harbaugh's word for it uh, as, until we see the practice reports, of course. But generally, Harbaugh is a little in the middle in terms of being honest with us. Sometimes he's pretty honest. Other times he tries to pull the wool over our eyes. But for now, it seems like Mark Andrews dodged a bullet. And I mentioned this over at Injury Insights. But the average amount of time missed for these AC injuries for pass catchers, for tight ends specifically, actually, and this is in a major study, was only about nine days. So if you average out nine days with a median of seven days, and the fact that since the injury happened, Mark Andrews is going to have a full 11 days, they don't play until a week from tonight, Monday night, then we can safely presume, safely assume, if this isn't a major deal, like we're being told it's not, he might not miss any time at all. He might be slightly more volatile. He might carry slightly more risk based on coming back so quickly. But again, the average amount of time is actually nine days. If I said, if I said something else, then it's definitely nine days. No, I went back and listened. I definitely said nine days. So the average is nine days. The median is about seven lost days. If we assume this is a general average AC injury for Mark Andrews, then we can safely assume he's going to be fine. And I buried the lead a little bit for Cooper Cup, but I also think he's going to be fine. If you watch the video, his ankle sort of rolls. Both of his ankles really got rolled up on, but he was getting the right one worked on. The right one is hidden. There's no real good way to see it unless you really zoom in on a large screen. And it looks like his ankle rolls from that everted position, that caved in position to that classic roll your ankle, ankle sprain, the low lateral ankle sprain. It looks like it was sort of rolled through both of those phases. But Cooper Cup himself said that he thinks that he dodged a bullet. And Ian Rappaport has come out and said that he's going to be, quote, day to day. Don't clutch your pearls. Don't freak out if you see Cooper Cup limited or not even practicing this week. I think that he'll practice. I think he'll be fine. It doesn't seem like a big deal right now, but we'll, of course, continue to monitor the situation. Moving on to another ankle. This is another guy, Irv Smith. Saw it on video. Jeremy Fowler confirmed this is a high ankle sprain for Irv Smith. He's going to miss some time. It's likely going to be somewhere in the neighborhood of two to four weeks. One more mea culpa before we hang up here, before we move on to the listener questions. Can you tell I'm on, like, four hours of sleep because I can definitely tell I'm on four or five hours of sleep. DK Metcalf. This was an interesting situation, DK Metcalf. He had a patellar tendon injury, we'll call it, in week seven. He gets carted off the field. We fear it's an ACL. We fear it's going to be something serious. And he comes back and it's not. It's just a patellar tendon. We'll call it a strain sprain. Right, I I really would call it like a a sheer injury to the tendon itself. So of course I say DK Metcalf is going to be playing through pain, and he's highly volatile, and I might consider other options. So DK Metcalf comes out, and he plays just sixty two percent of the snaps, right? In his healthy games, we'll go back, we'll go back a few weeks, right? Leading up to the injury. Since week three, he played 93, 76, 96, 81% of the snaps. And then yesterday played 62. So again, 93, 76, 96, 81, and then yesterday, 62% of the snaps. He was obviously 
Not 100%. But he was good enough to earn 10 targets, caught six of them, 55 yards, and, of course, scored a touchdown. So this guy is only going to get better moving forward. His pain is only going to improve. His, his pain tolerance to this issue, is, his pain is going to reduce, and he'll be good to go. So I'm not too worried about that. Next guy we should talk about, actually, before I keep saying one more thing, one more thing, Jamar Chase. Here's the skinny on Jamar Chase. He's got a hip flexor strain from the reports, according to The Athletic. He's got a hip flexor strain with what they call a, quote, hairline fracture and a labrum issue. These injuries are not uncommon. This type of fracture is actually one of the most common among athletes in terms of hip fractures. It is a relatively small injury. And when it comes to Jamar Chase, the Bengals are playing it, you can call it sharp. The Bengals have, between now and week 13, the Bengals have, I believe it's a week 10 bye. So he was not placed on IR because if that were the case, if Jamar Chase were to be placed on IR, only games, not time, counts towards an IR stint. So when you're placed on IR, you absolutely have to, the player absolutely has to spend four games on IR. So with the bye week, that would mean Jamar Chase would have to miss week eight, week nine, week 10 doesn't count, week 11, week 12, and then he wouldn't be able to come back until week 13. So instead, the Bengals are leaving the door open to him being able to come back in that week 11, week 12 mark. I think it's smart. I think they're optimistic. What we should expect from Chase moving forward is we can't say that he's going to be 100% the, the player and the athlete that he was. Right? We, we can't say that. I think it's a little ridiculous when some injury analysts that I, I personally have done this, we act as if the injury never happened. And sure, there are instances where it doesn't clinically matter. We don't see any differences on the field. But we can't pretend like this didn't happen at all. Right? So sort of like with the Rashad Bateman thing, I'm targeting Jamar Chase. But we can't just assume that this is going to be do nothing to him. We don't have enough data, enough of a sample size, or even precedent that I know of, of a guy that has this very specific injury and say that he's going to be totally fine. But it seems like the only issue that we're going to have with Jamar Chase is when he's going to come back and if they bring him back too quickly. If the Bengals start to slip out of playoff contention, that is when things start to get a little tricky. The Bengals might push him when he's not ready. He might push himself. If, even if he's not ready. So there's just something to consider with Jamar Chase, but I am still targeting him. I think if you can pull off, and again, these are just spitballing off the top of my head. Maybe nobody will do this in your league. I get it. Not in my league. Mike Williams for Jamar Chase or Marquise Brown for Jamar Chase. Maybe you can couple somebody up. Maybe like a, a Jonathan Taylor for Jamar Chase. Maybe somebody who's really on the playoff bubble and they're saying to themselves, I need to win now a Jonathan Taylor for Jamar Chase, something along those lines that you can offer up. I think that's a really, especially if you're in good position, if you have one or no losses or two losses, I think that targeting Jamar Chase is a good idea. The only thing you worry about with Jamar Chase is the timing of when they decide to bring him back and whether or not that labrum is going to continue to bother him after the fact. The labrum is a wild card. Labrums either rehab really well or they continue to bother guys. So we'll see what the case will be for Jamar Chase I'm targeting him, but understand that it doesn't mean that he's 100% risk-free. He is not. Just keep that in mind. I think he's worth targeting. Good. I think we covered all of the big names. If I didn't cover them, hit me up on Twitter at FBInjury. Doc Christian Watson has a concussion, but I don't think anybody was really 
asking about him too much. Q&A. Time for the questions. You guys have, you people, you folks, have been asking really good questions. So here's the first one. And I think this is a really good starting point, especially given how I started the podcast. Do you have confidence Hollywood Brown will be at full strength after his injury in week 12 to 13? Or is there a chance of him being limited, greater re-injury risk, etc.? This is from at Eddie Zamora underscore. Thank you, Eddie. So I have more confidence in Hollywood Brown to return to form than I should have had for Rashad Bateman, if that makes sense. Hollywood Brown's at least taking the time for his fracture to heal. It is a non-displaced fracture, which means none of the bones and joints shifted in his foot. That foot was more vulnerable simply because he had that same injury, that Liz Frank injury that caused him to have surgery in the past. And so to answer this question specifically, is he a greater re-injury risk? Yes. He's a greater re-injury risk the same way that he was a greater re-injury risk for the same injury last year. So this is an interesting conversation because I was just saying how I'm confident in him, but I don't want to downplay the risk of a guy who's already had a Liz Frank surgery and now has a Liz Frank injury, a fracture, mind you, because he could continue to just pound and pound and pound that foot until it reaches another breaking point. Now, I don't think the Cardinals will let that happen. I think that's why they shut him down. I think that's why they gave him time. But at, at this point, it's going to be a pain tolerance thing and a bone healing thing for Marquise Brown. I'm holding him on my bench. Uh, I'm not really looking to give him up for much. He was doing really well for himself in that Cardinals offense before he had this foot injury. Um, so will he be at full strength? The second part of the question I don't think so. I don't think any of these guys are at full strength by the end of the season, but I do think that he's going to be close. The only way that I am giving away a Marquise Brown is for somebody like Jamar Chase. I mean, yeah, I definitely take the take on the risk of a Jamar Chase more, more than I'd want to take on the risk of Marquise Brown just because of the difference in upside. But ultimately to answer the question, on a scale from one to 10, 10 being the most confident, I'm about a seven, seven and a half for Marquise Brown. And I'm about in the same ballpark for Jamar Chase. I'm just willing to take Jamar Chase on because of his upside. So slightly worried for Hollywood Brown, but not enough to really make any moves. I think he's a hold at this point, unless you get a really, really good offer for somebody like Jamar Chase. Thank you, Eddie. Next one. We'll talk about this one real quick. I don't talk a lot of dynasty, but I do think we should just have a discussion about Brees Hall. And while we're at it, Javante Williams, we know that Brees Hall had an ACL and a meniscus, a minor meniscus. That is the same injury Saquon Barkley had in 2020. So Brees will look good next year. I think we will see flashes. Bottom line is there's about a 17% decrease in fantasy football production in the first year after ACL surgery. And that is because of whether you want to call it confidence, you want to call it power output, neuromuscular connection. The bottom line is that even hyper athletes have issues their first year back from ACL. Now, Saquon looked good. And I was the one railing in his first year after the ACL. He looked good. I was railing and, and pounding the table for him. I was dancing on tables, telling you to go draft Saquon Barkley. And he looked good. He was the RB9 from weeks two through four. Now, we can get into semantics about but did he look like he looks now? And was he as confident? 
And the answer is probably no. The answer is probably not. I mean, he said as much himself. Stefania Bells put me in a body bag answering that question herself. He said that he wasn't as confident in it. But from a fantasy football perspective, from a functional perspective, from a practical application standpoint, Saquon Barkley did pretty well for himself before he rolled that ankle. So will Brees Hall be back to a ceiling in 2023? No, probably not. But I think we can get at least 85-90% of Brees Hall. I definitely think that's possible. So if anybody's down on him in Dynasty, I'm definitely acquiring now. The other guy that we need to discuss here real quick is Javante Williams. Javante Williams, of course, having the ACL plus the posterior lateral corner, the PLC. Sometimes that's associated with hamstring, like we saw with Gus Edwards and J.K. Dobbins. It is a big injury. And let me correct myself before I say too much. So we had an ACL and LCL and a PCL, Javante Williams did. And that's scary, man. I mean, the bottom line is that Javante Williams is at a high, he's a high volatility for 2023. If we're going to see 85 to 90% of Brees Hall, I, I don't think we'll see that much out of Javante Williams. I think that, well, I don't think I know. His recovery can actually range up to 14 months. Um, I think the soonest we see him, the absolute soonest is 14 months from the injury. I think that's the safest time to plan for him. So he might start the year on the pup. Javante Williams, I think, can be compared to J.K. Dobbins. And did did the Ravens wait too long to bring J.K. Dobbins back? No, the average return is about 14 to 15 months after a major injury like that. I don't think that the Ravens brought him back too, too soon. I think the Ravens took their time. They did what they could. They could have brought him back week eight, and he might have had a setback. Same with Gus Edwards. They could have brought Gus Edwards back week 12. He still might have had a setback. So it's never, it's really easy to backseat medical provide. But when medical providers check the box, think that they've mitigated as much risk as they possibly can, there's really nothing else you can do. You put them back out on the field. There's no moral or ethical reason if you feel that they check the boxes and they're physically ready to keep them back any longer. If they're checking the boxes, they're there. What their body and how their body responds physiologically to the imposed demands, the physical work of actually playing an NFL game. That's, I mean, that's the last step. There's no way for you to know if they're, if they're really truly 100% ready or not until they hit the last step. And unfortunately, JK Dobbins showing why a massive knee injury to a running back can wreak havoc. I'll say JK Dobbins is a buy for next year. I'll say he's probably going to look hundred percent better than he does this year. And I think he'll be ready to roll. That's going to do it. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the much longer podcast this week. In terms of fab waiver guys, you're on your own. I mean, there weren't a lot of injuries at this point. The waiver guys are who they are. Make sure you go to fantasypoints.com to the waiver wire article. If you really need guys, you can find them there. But from an injury perspective, there's no direct injury application here. I guess if you wanted to pick up Johnny Munt, that's your prerogative. That's sort of up to you. Other than that, if Mark Andrews is out, Isaiah likely. But other than that, we're good. Peace out.